Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting his kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Today's message is, what is your purpose? Here's Mrs. Tanya Christensen. Good morning. In case some of you don't know who I am, I'm Tanya Christensen, and um, I'm pleased to be here to present what the Lord's put on my heart for you. I, the, a few of them were asking me this morning, are you nervous? I was like, no, I wasn't nervous until you get up here, and then it's like the life hits you, and I, I joked this morning and said, I always thought Pastor Philip was just smiling at us, that he's just squinting because it's so bright. <clears throat> so a little bit about me and my background. Um, my family and I have been coming here, I've been members here almost two years, and I retired from teaching right before that. I taught kindergarten and third graders, and they're way less intimidating than all of you are, so <laughs> could you just kind of get shorter for me so you don't look so intimidating? I'd, I had the privilege of teaching in a Christian private school where we could teach the Word of God with you know, every uh, core subject and curriculum and he was just part of every part of that school, which was a blessing. And um, I got to see when you, when you build up a child with their purpose, what that can do. And so we were privileged to be able to do that. But I want to just encourage you that even as adults, that purpose that God created for you is still in you. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm going to teach you uh, with some practical tips and tools so that you can leave with something in your hand and I'm also going to give you some homework, so you're welcome. <laughs> there won't be a test, though. Not for me, anyway. Um, so the subject of purpose, gosh, everywhere I go, this subject is coming up in my circle of friends and my family and my, my kiddos, you know, their peer groups, and uh, even people that are older than us that are retired, and they're just trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do in this season of my life? whatever that looks like for you. And, and I know, they change and they ebb and they flow and you're like, okay, I, I knew what to do in this season. I knew what to plant here, what to harvest here, how that looked, but I feel like God is calling me into a new season. What am I supposed to plant? What am I supposed to water and harvest from that? And what does that look like? And I don't want to mess it up. And, and so we, we kind of get bogged down in the what ifs and the, all the things people tell us that we can't do. So we're going to kind of take you back to some basic lessons from childhood. And as a teacher, one of the ways that I learned to teach my students, I tried to teach them with their natural gifts and talents. And one of the ways I would do that is to watch how they played naturally. What were they drawn to during center time or, or you know, recess? And what did they talk about? What kind of books interested them? And you, you can learn a lot about a person just by studying those things. And so then I would take those interests that they had and try to implement that into their everyday learning. For instance, I had a little boy who would walk around and talk to his construction crew on his pretend phone. And he was building something really big, and he would call, and his name was Bud. This is Bud, and, and that wasn't his name, but... This is Bud, and yeah, I need you to get that concrete truck over here. And he's five years old. And he's walking around, and he's building this imaginary building and just very seriously pacing back and forth on that playground. But I couldn't get him to focus for letters and numbers and center time. He wanted to build and call his, you know, his, trade, his tradesmen. 
So I thought, you know, my husband's in construction, and I asked him to bring home some blueprint paper. And so I put his spelling words on blueprint paper and his math, his math tables on blueprint paper, and I sent that home, and this was your very important you know, construction job you've got to work on, and that child just took off. And so what I want to encourage you to do as adults for yourself, as parents, grandparents, teachers, we, we all are in the, in the growth process, but if you have little ones in your care, whether you're a teacher, parent, grandparent, I would encourage you to watch what they do and lean into those natural giftings. I also want to ask you to think back. I taught third grade. I want you to think back to when you were in third grade. What did you enjoy doing? What did you naturally play? What were you gravitated towards? What kind of books? Maybe you didn't like to read at all. Maybe you're more visual. You liked movies. Well, I always played teacher. I would set my stuffed animals up, and we would have classroom. If I could con my brother and cousins into it, then they'd sit there. They didn't like to play school, and I didn't understand that. And I would, that was my natural desire was to teach. But do you know, I, I did not, I wasn't graced to be able to do that until I was 39. That's when I entered education. And it felt surprisingly awkward but very familiar at the same time. Lots of tears, lots of, what do I think I'm doing at 39 doing this? The kindergartners were eating my lunch. And, and I thought, this is ridiculous, you know. I'm being ordered around by five-year-olds. And I just had to pray through that and take what I knew to do in the natural and let God teach me to be a teacher. And within a year, that thing just clicked and it flowed. And the natural giftings that was purposed in me came out of me. And so I want to encourage you with this scripture from Psalm 139.16. It's a beautiful scripture. It says, Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Psalm 139.16. I just think that's beautiful. That even before we breathed our first breath of air, The Lord has our plan written down for us. He's a God of order. He's not this willy-nilly, you know, today I want you to be um, a construction worker. Tomorrow you might work at Subway. You know, he's, he's a God of order, and we get it out of order. But he lovingly and so graciously, if you let him, will allow you to get back in the flow to your natural gifts and purpose, like he did with me at 39 when I finally got to teach. But as I look back, I was teaching people along the way. They were just drawn to me to show them how to do things at my other jobs. I was a personnel consultant for nine years, and so I helped people find their purpose and taught them how to fill out a resume, how to fill out a job application, what to say, what to wear, those kinds of things. So I was teaching them how to find their purpose. And in that, God moved me into my my spot that I, I, that's the best job I've ever had. So I taught for 14 years, and that season came to an end. And the Lord gave me a sneak peek about a year before that was coming to an end. And I knew the grace was waning and that there was going to be a change. I didn't quite know what that would look like, but he started giving me just little glimpses. 
in prayer, I'd receive a little word or a little encouragement or an idea. And I started journaling them and writing them down. And that formed a business idea. Eventually, that formed a business idea. So I went ahead and put my notice in after 14 years and started a business. And I also knew that I needed to write some things. That was kind of a, I had two goals here. I really felt the ease of writing. That's also in my wheelhouse. That's part of my purpose. So that I was naturally drawn to. The business side of it is not in my natural giftings by a long shot. But I had all these ideas that I thought, okay, Lord, you've given me these ideas. I've got to do something with it. So I formed this business. But as I sit here today, two years into that, I realized that business plan was not for me. It's for me to give to someone else. And so as God aligns that, I'm anxious to see who will get that business. But he prepared it, and I get to steward over it. So that's really, really awesome. So with this idea that we all were born with a plan, with a purpose, it would be really neat if we were born with that plan in our hand. Like, like Taylor, your kids came out going, here you go, Mom. You know, I'm allergic to nuts, and I'll be very strong-willed. Or I hate spaghetti, and I'm going to enjoy baseball. You know, if we knew when they were born what we needed to look out for, well, really, that's built into them. And if you just watch them, you figure it out. You figure it out, so... Our plan is in there. We can't escape it. And there's no sense in wishing that you had somebody else's plan. So let's say you were born to be a hammer. And your friend is a screwdriver. Is the hammer going to be jealous of the screwdriver because it really wishes it could do that job? When really, if it was doing the job it was designed to do, there'd be purpose and joy and fulfillment in it. So I want to talk about this idea of purpose. Some people call it their calling. Their gifts and talents are kind of interchangeably used, those terms. So if we could pull up the definition of calling. Got that? Calling. Merriam-Webster says, it's a strong inner impulse toward a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence or the vocation or profession in which one customarily engages. And I would... Actually, I think these go together. I don't think they're separate. And I'll tell you why in a moment. But what I love about this is that the divine is in there. Even in Merriam-Webster's secular dictionary, the divine definition is paired with the vocational definition. Now, a lot of times we think of calling as a ministry calling, like, well, I'm not called. I'm not called to preach. I'm not called to sing worship. I'm not called to lead Sunday school. I guess I'm just supposed to fill in the blank. I'm just a fill in the blank. We kind of get stuck in that I'm just a. In the Hebrew, this is an excerpt from a great book that my daughter turned me on to. It's uh, endorsed by Dave Ramsey, if you know him. And it's written by Dan Miller. And the book is called 48 Days to the Work You I recommend you make a note of that somewhere. It's an awesome read. It is a great tool to figure out some things. Um, I would say college age on up. If you're in the retirement years and you're trying to figure out what to do with your golden years, I think it's also good for you as well. In the Hebrew, the word avadah is the root word where we get work and workmanship. That's what that word literally means in the Hebrew. 
To the Hebrew man, his Thursday morning activities were just as much an expression of worship as being in the synagogue on, on the Sabbath. Nothing in Scripture depicts the Christian life as divided into sacred and secular parts. Rather, it shows a unified life, one of wholeness, in which everything we do is service to God, including our daily work and whatever that may be. So what, in the, in the scope of that, of understanding that work is worship, it kind of helps you understand the Cain and Abel story, at least it did for me, a little better. And the, and the dichotomy of their stories in that, that Abel brought his best. He brought his best offering from the work of his hands as worship unto the Lord, built in from his purpose, what God ordained him to do. And you can look at that as a tithe. You can look at that as, you know, doing from your purpose to help people. You can look at that however that settles well with you. But then Cain came and just brought an offering. There you go. It's good enough. So if you look at the difference, if you were an employer, if you were the dean of a college, if you were, for the sake of teaching, God, which one of those would bless your heart more? The one who just sort of haphazardly did his job halfway, gave half of what he had, or someone who put his all into it and from a place of worship? And, you know, I know not every day at work is a cakewalk. As a teacher, we had some tough days. We had days when CPS would show up. We'd have days when we'd have to do the head lice check. It's no fun. You itch all day after that. There's, there's days when, you know, it, things just happen. You have a lockdown because somebody's outside with whatever. But even in that, even on my worst day of teaching, I felt the blessing and the peace of God and fulfillment, even when I'd go home exhausted. And I was ready to get up and go the next day. And even in those difficult times, you just know that you know this is what I need to be doing. And through tears sometimes, through sore feet, through rugged hands, through whatever, in the bad weather. I watched my husband when he was a young construction worker come home muddy, just caked in mud from plumbing, digging in ditches, being out in the yuck, having to work on Christmas. But he did it because he provided for his family, and he knew that was what his purpose was. So if we look at work as worship, no matter what your work is, if you're a stay-at-home mom, that is your work, and it is work. And that is your worship. How would that change the way you make that meatloaf? I know for me, you know, now that I am home and I'm writing, but I'm home more, looking at meal preparation and looking at laundry and those things that are now more center stage, I take a little more pride in it than just coming home exhausted and, you know, slapping tacos or whatever on the table. So how would that look in your workaday world? Let's say you're in retail. How would that affect the way you treat customers if your work is your worship? How would that affect the way that, that you treat your coworkers? Would you then view yourself as, okay, if I'm purposed to be here, I'm purposed to be at this business, this trade, this school, whatever, then obviously God has people in line here for me to touch. Lord, use me as a vessel 
Show me the people that need prayer. Show me the people that need me to maybe buy their lunch. Just lend an ear. You know, people are hurting, and they're looking for the light. And God has hidden the light brilliantly in the workplace. And if we will shine our light, walking in that purpose with joy, even on the worst day, if you're working and and you have joy even in the worst day, they're going to notice that. And they're going to wonder what's different about you. And my husband, I don't want to embarrass you, but he's a prime example of that. He goes to work. He shows up on time. He takes his allotted time for lunch and not a minute more, and he stays until the the end of the day, even when the majority of the people cut out early, take the longer lunch, come in late. And he's been blessed to do that. And he has many times people walk in his office, shut the door, and they need prayer. Or they just need to get something off their chest. And there's something about him. He doesn't go around work beating people on the head with the Bible. He's just being who he is. And the light is shining through. So when we're walking in our purpose, using that purpose for worship, people notice. And you don't have to preach a word. You don't have to preach a word. It preaches itself. And so we're called to the kingdom. We're all ministers. We're all called to the kingdom. Um, I want to shift gears for a minute. For those of you who are not sure you're operating in your calling, maybe you're at a job, but you know this is not the right place for me. And I've had those jobs. The good Lord was gracious and let me get fired twice in a row, right out of high school. And I I was a good employee. I really was. I was, you know, right out of high school, but I was diligent. I showed up. I was professional, or so I thought. And I got fired, and it was not of any of my doing. There were circumstances going on within those two companies, but that was God's graciousness to push me out into my purpose and and go on to college and to get out of my small town and to not just settle for something that wasn't his purpose. So if, if you're one that knows, okay, I'm doing something I just know I'm not called to do. Maybe you need to stay there financially for a season while you're preparing for what God has for you to do, I want to give you some tools and some scripture because it's the word of God that cuts through and works. The word of God works every time. And the other words built around this are words to inspire you, to get you thinking, and to hopefully encourage you and and let you know you're not alone, that we've all gone through different seasons. So if you're in a job or a school or a position where you just know that's not your purpose, let's, let's say this microphone stand is your calling, your purpose. But what you're doing is way over here. Let's say you were called to be a worship leader, but you've been denying the call, denying the call, denying the call, and you're over here going to school to be a chemist. Your level of frustration You're going to live a frustrated life. If you look at the distance between your calling and where you are, you can see the level of frustration. But as you're moving closer to that calling and trying to get some things right to work in that calling, you'll find an ease and a peace and a flow until you get into that thing and you literally will feel like, oh, there's just an ease. There's just, I can't explain it, but it just, it feels right. So I want you to think about that visual. Here's your calling, here's the space, and here's what you are doing. And hopefully, 
more and more of us, they're married and it's together. But if it's not, think about what's keeping me from doing that thing that I know I've been called to do. So again, from the book, 48 Days to the Work You Love, I want to share some quotes from people who were living the frustrated life. Dan Miller, who wrote the book, is a Christian life coach. And these are people, these are clients of his and some quotes that, um, that he put out there for us to see what that feels like and what these people are experiencing in this frustrated space. So this is from a 56-year-old bus driver with a Ph.D. in theology, and he's working as a bus driver. I would venture to say his, his face is pretty big. He says, I feel like I've been given six seconds to sing, and I'm singing the wrong song. A 53-year-old businessman says, I feel like my life is a movie that's almost over, and I haven't even bought the popcorn yet. A 27-year-old computer specialist says, I feel like I'm a box of parts and nothing fits together. So at 27, he's recognizing, he's trained to do whatever computer skills he has, but he just doesn't feel like that's right. I would say this is a courageous young man to be able to recognize that and say, what can I do to change that, to to get into my God-given purpose? So I've recently been in that season of, you know, you retire from a career you've had that you loved, and then you think you know what you're doing, and God changes it up on you, or rather, I didn't hear it correctly. So as I said, I I started a business, and I like to write, so I was trying to do both, and I clearly heard the Lord tell me to write. And I I went off on that vein, and I, I did that, and then I thought, okay, but I've got this. What should I do? I I prayed and I doubted and I went through all of that and the Lord recently revealed to me that that business is probably for somebody else. I want to give you some thoughts, some bullet points and then a little bit of homework um, for you to do to help you just see if you are in that purpose. And if this is not for you, maybe it's for one of your kids, like I've said, or grandkids or a neighbor. But I want to, um, I want y'all to, Think about what you're thinking about. In educational terms, we call that metacognitive thoughts. So you get the student to think about what they're thinking about. You read them a book. What do you think about that? And you get them to pull it out and to think. That's what psychologists get paid the big bucks to do. They just get you to repeat what you're already thinking. So think about what you're thinking about and journal it. What do you daydream about? What do you wish for? What do you sit around thinking, if I could do this, life would just be so much better. I'm doing this and I feel stuck, but I really want to do this. Write those things down and begin to look at it and really that's, pay attention to the realness of that. The physical, that is God telling you there's something better, something different, or something to add to what you're already doing. One of my favorite movies is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Anybody seen it? My family. Oh, good. See, it's funny. The, uh, in the other service, only two people had seen it. I love this movie. And it, on the onset, looks really quirky and kind of like, you got to pay attention to figure out if he's dreaming or if it's really happening. But it's a really deep movie if you'll just take it and think about, wow, this is really, really rich stuff. So the gist of it is he's a photo editor, and the, and the character's played by Ben Stiller. 
He's a photo editor for Life magazine. And the magazine has gone digital, and so his job is being, um, you know, he's being laid off of that job. So he's a diligent worker. He shows up with his little pocket protector and his little briefcase and his little coat every day. He's Mr. Steady Eddie, the same routine every day. So this is rocking his world. He's, he's going to have to, you know, figure out something else to do. Well, with, I don't want to give the movie away, but within the, the text of the movie, he has a problem that he's got to figure out. And he seems to be the most boring guy on earth. He daydreams about the love of his life at his office and what they would do if they were, you know, a boyfriend-girlfriend and, and these adventures they would take. And he, he gets caught up in his daydreams and people make fun of it for it because he just kind of goes off. Well, in this problem... He has to, he, he's this hard worker and he wants to solve this problem before he leaves the company. So there's a, a bunch of adventure built in for him to solve this problem. And at the end of that movie, he looks nothing, his character's nothing like it was when he started off. Because within the problem, he found his purpose. And I, would, I want you to pay attention to that. When you feel like you have a problem, you have a something that's just an antagonistic thing that's coming against you. I want you to really look at that and see, is this happening to me or for me? And I guarantee you there's treasure in those problems. Promotion comes out of problems. Think about it. The people at work that get the big bucks and the big promotions are the problem solvers. So think about that in your own life. I have this problem, Lord. What are you trying to teach me from it? And how can I purpose it for, for fruit, for something better. Is there a job opportunity in that problem? An invention? Maybe a new relationship? Maybe you're moving me out of this to that? I say, pay attention to those problems. So, watch Walter Mitty. We've only got four people that have seen it. That's your homework. Watch that movie. Pay attention to what you're thinking about. And then I want you to think about what types of things bring you joy what types of things incite emotion, like strong emotion? Either happy emotion, like, yes, I want to go do that thing. Or things that make you feel burdened for a particular group of people or a cause. You strongly, you know, for me, one of mine is wounded warriors. That Do they just grab my heart? And, and I like to think how I can help in that arena. And I don't do near enough. I'm not going to brag. I'm do, I don't do near enough. But that is one of the things that just really gets me. As it does, um, a friend of my son, he's a construction worker in San Antonio. Not my son, but this gentleman. And he had a burden for wounded warriors, terminally ill people with their families, and disabled children. Those were things that really burdened his heart as a Christian man. And so he found a way to partner with others to fund his vision for the purpose of helping the other folks that were, that were in need. He partners with big ranchers, celebrities, businessmen. Some are silent-type partners, and some, some are out in the forefront. And they provide guided hunts and fishing trips, um, excursions for kiddos that are suffering with cancer, and on and on and on. And it's just amazing to watch what this organization has done. It's Trinity Oaks, if you guys want to look up their website. I encourage you to look at that. 
And it, maybe you think, well, I'd like to do so-and-so, but I don't have the funding, and I don't know the right people, and I'm not good at speaking, and I'm very shy, or whatever your thing is, whatever your drawback is, partner with someone who has those qualities. Partner with your opposite. If you don't have the funds, maybe you know someone who does. Or maybe you can have a fundraiser for it. Or maybe pray that God will bring someone in your path if you don't know them already. So think about those things. What makes you really, really happy or what, what burdens your heart? And then going back to what did you enjoy as a child and paying attention to that. I'm going to use my children as an example. My son, as a, as a little bitty kiddo, everything was a drum. Like all my pots have dents and things in them from drums. Or a guitar. Everything was a drum or a guitar. And at 18 months old, he could name every artist on the radio. He could just, Mom, that's George Strait. Mama, that's Reba McIntyre. Mama, that's whomever. I was amazed. Well, guess what he grew up to be? A musician. He makes his living singing, writing songs, playing music. My daughter, as a little bitty toddler, would get up every morning. She had to watch Barney. And... Within watching Barney, she would study what they're doing. It took me a while to figure out what she was doing, but she'd watch them. And then she'd shoot off into her room, and she'd come back wearing something different. And and for a while, I was like, what is she doing? Well, she was mimicking what their little costumes were on TV, going to her room, changing, and if they had a prop, like an umbrella or something, she'd bring it with her, and she'd dance with them. Well, guess what? She's been dancing her whole life. And that's not anything we push. That's a purpose that God put in part of her plan. So you guys all have those same things. What did you enjoy to do when you were in third grade? Did you like to cook? Did you like to help dad with the car? Did you like to work out in the yard? Did you want to help people? Did you want to teach? Did you write? Did you paint? Pay attention to those things and give into it. Ask the Lord to take off all those layers of the I can'ts, the people who said, Oh, but you can't because. Because we don't have money for lessons. Because you're not tall enough. You're not rich enough. You're not whatever enough. Don't listen to that. Take those layers off to get to the core of what God purposed you to be. And I'm going to end with a couple of scripture references just to tie it all up because it is the word of God that changes things. So in Romans 8, 28, through 30. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We've been called for his purposes. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified, meaning raising them up to heavenly dignity and being treated with praise and honor. See, it doesn't matter what we've done in our past or what we haven't done. Maybe we've just wasted some opportunity. We've been called, we've been justified, made right with God, and we've been glorified to do that thing. And it may take some seeking, some praying, some planning to get to that, to wash off all the layers of the negativity 
of the life stuff that just happens to all of us, of the self-doubt, of the people saying you can't. It may even require some forgiveness from, for some people. I would encourage you to just take the time with the Lord. Let him work in those places. In Proverbs 25, I'll end with this scripture. Well, actually, then I want to give you some tools. Right? I know we're running out of time. But the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Draw out those deep things. Ask God to get with you to have the life he intended you to have. And I, I just, that's been a burden on my heart, guys, since I retired, to teach people how to, have their, how to find and have purpose. So when I started my business, The Silent Partner, part of that was, it's a consulting business designed to teach businesses how to Im- improve their customer service and how to teach people how to find purpose and kind of all that was married into one and to give folks business ideas. Because they come to me all the time. The Lord just gives me all of these business ideas. And I was really frustrated. I thought, Lord, I can't do all of these. I can't open a restaurant and then go do this and then do that and have a landscaping business. And he told me, these are not for you. So I'm going to throw these nuggets out there. If you guys want to grab them, they're free. Just go run with it, and it would be great to see you start something. Um, The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. Sometimes these things have been hidden from us for us to be used at a time such as this. So I'm in my house watching this water pipeline go in across the street. There's construction just crazy going on, lots of people, and we're out in the country. So I thought, you know, they need to eat. Someone should provide a mobile construction snack company, whether it be in a van, a car, just get started, just, just do it where you provide, you don't have to cook a thing. You can bring chips and drinks and water and candy bars because they they're they can't go anywhere. So that would be awesome. Go to, go to places where they're building houses or you see construction and just start putting it out there. This is something that just drives me crazy, litter. I hate litter. Anybody? I hate litter. And I hate seeing it on the roadside, at the beach. You know, you have God's beautiful creation and you've got trash everywhere. So this idea came to me, litter bugs. It's a litter, landscaping, and lawn care business, and the company car could be a VW bug painted like a ladybug. Wouldn't that be cool? And you drive up and you get your accounts, and, and you know, it may not be the most masculine kind of thing, but make it your own, you know? Clean Freaks, a commercial cleaning service for new construction, commercial or residential homes. The table, I love this, but I, I I'm not going to start a restaurant. The table, which in Hebrew means family. A family-friendly restaurant centered on quality food, quality time, and quality experience. Where there'd be a cell phone bucket in the middle of the table for everybody to put their cell phones in. So you can have that quality time. A mobile anything. A mobile mechanic. A mobile lawyer. A mobile vet. A mobile hairdresser. A mobile groomer. Honestly, those are, you know, go with mobile anything. We're in the food truck industry where everybody's moving around. And last but not least, if you just want to help, but you don't want to quit your job and you don't want to start a business, but you have that something nagging at you, try volunteering. It's free, costs you a little bit of time, 
And there's always somebody that could use your help. And just be creative, pray, you know, where am I supposed to put that, Lord, that desire? And he will definitely show you. So we're going to end with a, a song and then closing. I thank you for your attention. I hope you got some nuggets out of it. And I just pray that God blesses you in business and in your work, which is your worship. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.